We all operate within boundaries in this life. And we don't necessarily think of them as boundaries. Like these walls, they're boundaries. They keep us within the structure. They hold up the roof also. And that roof is a boundary that keeps weather out. These boundaries protect us from the elements. And the property has boundaries. Sometimes they're marked by fences, or sometimes they're marked by iron pins. The properties have boundaries, okay? And uh, some of those boundaries are marked on paper, and some of them are marked on the land, but those boundaries exist, and the boundaries come with certain rights to use the property. This message isn't about property. I'm just using it as an example. But the boundaries uh, allow us to use the land within those boundaries. And our homes have boundaries. Cars and trucks have boundaries. And all of these boundaries help us to live and travel safely, relatively speaking. They help to keep us going. They're for our own good. Almighty God's Word is our guidebook, and it too contains boundaries. Those boundaries are for our own good. Our, our Heavenly Father, like any good parent, has set boundaries for our existence, for our conduct, for the way that we live and the way that we interact with one another. These boundaries are for our actions and behavior. He sets those boundaries for our good. And as we've read before, it's written in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man or woman of God, because it means everybody there, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture, not just some. We can't pick and choose. We can't cut anything out. We can't ignore anything. All Scripture is there for our good. And I've repeated this in each one of the messages in this series intentionally. It's not an accident that I say all Scripture, because there are those who would argue that the Old Testament Scriptures, they're there for us to to look at, and we can recognize them as God's Word, but they're not necessarily there to guide us. But that's not what God's Word says. God's Word offers everything we need to guide our lives. And we benefit from learning what's written. If you don't have one of these, take one with you today. We've got them in the seats there. If we come up short, we'll get some more, okay? If you already have one, don't take one. It's like Eric said, they're 40 or $50 these days. So, But we want you to have one. This message is the fourth part in the series that I've called Boundaries. And I trust that this message is what we need to hear today. And for a lot of reasons, we need to hear it. Because this, we live in a culture of death. We live in a culture of death that cries for all of us to die. It wants to eradicate human beings from the planet. And I'm not going to get deep into that. I want us to look at what God's Word says about life and death. Those are boundaries. And we're bound by God's Word, and we head in one direction or the other by the way that we live our lives. His Word makes that clear, and we'll look at that. But before we move on, I want us to pray. Heavenly Father, 
Please guide us through your word today. And Lord, I ask that you would remove all distractions, that yours truly would be able to to speak clearly and concisely and accurately, that your word would be the central focus of the message today, that you and you yourself alone through Christ would be glorified. Please turn us completely to yourself. I yield to you. Help us as I do so. God, we need your guidance. We need your help to keep us within your fold. Please give us your spiritual wisdom and remove and block distractions, Lord, that anything and everything that would try to stop this message from going forth would be eliminated. I thank you for cleansing us, and I ask, Lord, that you would help me to bring the message to everyone who is within the sound of my voice. Let me say nothing more or less than what you want me to say, I pray in Christ's name and all of God's people said, amen. Amen. We're going to look at the 30th chapter of Deuteronomy, and we'll find that on page 317 in those Bibles there in your seats. Deuteronomy chapter 30, page 317, if you're interested. If not, you can look up on the screen. We will have it up there for you. I trust if everything goes well. I could have marked this out this morning, huh? Lower left column in the Bible book there. For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who would go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. See, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways and to keep His commandments, His statutes and His judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go in to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witness today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, and that you may obey His voice, and that you may cling to Him, for He is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. I pray that God would add His blessing to the reading and hearing of His Word today. Choose... Life. That passage has several ideas regarding God's boundaries. 
God's commandment is not too mysterious for you, okay? And there are those within the church who say, oh, it's too hard for you to understand. You've got to listen to me to get it. But God's Word says you have the Holy Spirit as your teacher. And that's why it's important for you to have one of these and read it. The Holy Spirit will open it up to you. The Holy Spirit will give you God's guidance from this book that we call the Bible, the number one bestseller of all time, by the way. God will guide you in it. It's not too far off. You don't have to send somebody to heaven to get the Word. You don't have to send somebody across the sea to get the Word. It is near you. He says, in your mouth, in your heart. It's not in heaven. It's not beyond the sea. And he says that it's in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. Doing it means that you conduct yourself according to what is written. That's what he says, not me. It doesn't matter if somebody else told you you don't have to do what's written there. It doesn't matter if somebody else says, oh, that's not for you. He says, do it. And there are those that would argue that that's for somebody else. It's not for you. It's not for Christians. We'll get there. Doing His Word means acting upon it, living it. He has set, God has set life and good, death and evil before you, and if never before, today. He has set these things before you today. His Word is true. He commands you today to love the Lord your God. This is brought out also in the teachings of Christ. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He says, walk in His ways. Keep His commandments, His statutes, and His judgments. He wants you to live your lives, conduct your lives within the boundaries that He sets and it's for your own good. He's not a killjoy trying to stop you from enjoying life here. He wants you to enjoy life here, and this is why he set the boundaries. His answer is simple. Why should you keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments? That you may live and multiply. The Lord your God will bless you. He will bless you when you hear what he says and live according to what he says. You live within those boundaries. Life and good are the result of walking in his ways. His ways. Keeping his commandments, his statutes, his everything. Even his judgments. He judges. He tells us, this is okay, this is not. Here's where I want you this is not where I want you. Whatever those things are, and there are lots of them in His Word, and that doesn't mean that we live legalistic lives. We are walking in grace, and we have grace to resist temptation, to resist the devil, and He flees from us. We may not think that somehow we can jump up and down on God's Word and say, I don't have to do what it says, and somehow think that we have everlasting life. That's not how it works. That's not what his word says. And there are those who have twisted some of his words, especially the words of Paul, and says, no, 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 you don't have to do that. But that's not what God's word says. 
God gives us boundaries. He blesses those who demonstrate their love for Him through their actions. The way that we live shows whether we actually love God. The way that we conduct ourselves shows whether or not we actually love Him. And His Word bears that out positively. I could do a series of messages just on that. Our Creator has called heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. As well as those people that were, it was written to back then, He calls heaven and earth as witnesses. There's two witnesses. The testimony of two witnesses establishes the matter. It makes it true. And so these witnesses are saying to you, His Word is true. Obey His Word. Because what was written there? If your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them... Now, we don't think we're worshiping another god whenever we're, say, in an addiction. We don't call that worshiping another god. We don't say we're worshiping another god whenever we're polishing our car every five minutes. We don't say we're worshiping another god whenever we turn a building like this into a shrine to ourselves. But that's what it is. We are worshiping other gods whenever we go away from the one true God. And how do we know if we're where He wants us to be? How do we know that we are where He wants us to be? How do we know we are where He wants us to be? Somebody. If we live by what He says, if we're within His boundaries. If we're not, we're not loving Him. Because our demonstration of love is living within those boundaries. But if your heart turns away, Almighty God announces to you today, you shall surely perish. That's what He says. Life or death, you get to choose. When you choose Christ and you walk in Christ who was sinless, you choose not to sin. You choose to withstand the temptation, to walk away from the temptation. You have that ability through Christ who is in you, if in fact He is. He set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And these are the boundaries, and each one of us has free will to choose. We can choose life or the opposite. It's our choice. And He makes that clear. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 20, we again hear our Creator's heart. And the point is that He declares that we love the Lord our God. He wants us to love Him, that we obey His voice, that we cling to Him. Because what's the opposite of clinging to Him, holding on to Him? It's going away from Him. And He wants us to stay with Him. He wants us to remain with Him. But is He going to take you and stop you against your own will? You choose, He says. You choose this day whom you shall serve. As for me, I'm going to serve him. And this is our choice every day. We can choose to serve him or we can choose to serve self. We can choose to serve him or we can choose to serve anything or anyone else. But his word is clear. We get to choose. Those who are of a perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord. It's written in Proverbs chapter 11. 
as the righteousness, as righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. Now, did that change somewhere along the line? Does that bit of wisdom that's contained in Proverbs chapter 11, did that change? It says, those who have a perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord, but the blameless in their ways are his delight. Though they join forces, the wicked will not go unpunished, but the posterity of the righteous will be delivered. In other words, our children and our children's children will be delivered from evil. And we pray that, right? Deliver us from evil. That word perverse is translated from a Hebrew word that means distorted, false, crooked, froward. And my wife said, froward, that's hard for me to say, is I want to say forward. No, no, it's froward. Fro is the opposite of to. Instead of toward or toward, it is opposite. It's froward, it's away. In fact, the uh, definition of the word says perverse, turned, looking from, opposite, turning from, complying, instead of yielding or, or complying with what's required, unyielding, ungovernable, refractory, disobedient, peevish, as a froward child that comes out of Webster's Dictionary. And there are those who try to change the meaning of words these days. It doesn't mean that anymore, but it does in God's Word. When it applies to God's Word, that's what it means. It means going against Him, going away from Him, not doing what He says, not walking within His boundaries, not living your lives or conducting yourselves in His will, outside of, going away from instead of toward God. According to Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 28, in the way of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death in the way of righteousness. See, Christ is our righteousness. When we step into Christ, we are walking in His righteousness. But that doesn't excuse our behavior. We don't just go on sinning, expecting somehow because we're under grace. And Paul addresses this very clearly. He says, because you're under grace, do you just go on sinning? He says, no. Heaven forbid. And in Hebrews, we learn that there's no more sacrifice if we go on sinning. It'd be better if we didn't know the way of truth. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 10, it's written, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. We are alive in Christ. We learn from Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 14, the law of the wise is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. The law of the wise is a fountain of life. And then it's written, in Proverbs 14, in verse 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of the death of death. Can you see the connection there? The law of the wise is the fear of the Lord. Righteousness is both the law of the wise and the fear of the Lord. Those who live contrary to God's word are unrighteous. That's what his word says. It's not me, it's him. Almighty God is the one that sets the boundaries of righteousness and unrighteousness. And I'm not going to do a message on that. I'm showing you the end result is life or death. He says choose. And those who live contrary to God's word do not fear God, and that is unwise. 
It's unwise not to fear God. Some would argue that what I've shared to this point, as I've alluded to a few times, was written for those people at that time. And they would be true. That's accurate. It was written to those people at that time who were crossing the Jordan, going into the land to possess it. And God said, here's the guidelines. Here's the boundaries I want you to live within. And as a result of that, you will have life if you live within those boundaries. If not, you get death. In all actuality, we can't ignore that it was written to them. But remember what's written in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. You see, Almighty God knew that there would be false shepherds. He, he knew there were going to be wolves amongst the sheep. He knew that there were going to be those who were trying to deceive His people into going on sinning so that they would be damned. That death would be the result, because the wages of sin is, anybody? Death. And they want to slay God's people. So he covered it. He said, no, what they're saying is a lie. What they're saying is a lie. You may not go on sinning, expecting that somehow doing something outside of the boundaries of what God provides in His Word, that somehow you're going to get to live after that. That's not what he says. You can't just say some prayer and expect that somehow God's going to wipe out everything and you can just go on running into it, which is away from him. The one we call Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my words and believes in him who has sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into life. And what does it mean to believe? How do we show our belief? Do we really believe in God? Because if we believe in God, what do we do? We obey Him. That's what His Word says. It makes it clear. In John chapter 3 and verse 16, everybody knows this verse, and if you've ever been in a service here before, you've heard me say it many times. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And believing is the key word. What does it mean to believe? He said, pick up your cross daily and follow Him. Die to self. Die to sin. Die to the world. Die to the enemy. And live for Him. That's what he says. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 10, it's written, For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. We celebrate that in communion. He gave His life so that we would live, choose this day to live. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 17, it's written, For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, that's Adam, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one who is Christ, Yeshua, Yahashua, Messiah, the one we call Jesus. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 21, it's written that sin reigned in death, even as, or that so, that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God's grace enables us to live righteous lives in, within those boundaries that He provides in His Word. 
In Romans chapter 6 and verse 4, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism unto death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And there is a passage that many will overlook. He says we are dead with him in in our baptism, and we need to walk in newness of life. Not in the old life. Not in the old way. Not in the previous way. Not in the sinful way. Not in the outside of God's boundaries way, but within that newness of life we are to live and walk. In Romans chapter 6, in verse 10, it's written, For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. He died so that we could live everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. Where does sin come from? An evil heart of unbelief. That's what the Scripture says. Romans chapter 8 and verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I'm no longer bound to sin. I'm bound to life. The boundaries that I live in bring life. I want all of you to understand that God's Word is our guide. God's Word is our guide. Do you not know, it's written in Romans chapter 6 and verse 16, that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. And any form of idolatry is sin leading to death. And very often when folks are tied up in in a sin and they say, I just can't get out of this, I can't quit this, I love this, I don't want to leave this, what happens? They don't even recognize that they're outside of the will of God. It's clear because they've chosen to obey one or the other. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 6, it's written, To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. This is the word of the Lord. It's not my words. It's not what I want you to hear. It's what He wants you to hear. You see, life and death are the boundaries here and hereafter. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, we hear this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as his prisoner. This was Paul writing to Timothy. In other words, tell everybody, don't keep your mouth shut, share, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. In other words, you may suffer for sharing the good news. He has saved and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. In other words, we're not called by our works, but we are called to do His work. But according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality, not immorality, it's the opposite, to light through the gospel. He brings us immortality by walking us out of immorality. 
We no longer live outside of his boundaries. We live within them. And in that, through Christ and his sacrifice, we walk in everlasting life, beginning here. In the third chapter of Hebrews, we learn that Christ is greater than Moses. And we are Christ's house. We are his temple. We're the temple of God. If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope to the end, we are his house. That's what's written. If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Therefore, it goes on to say, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works forty years. Therefore, I was angry, God says, with that generation, and said, They always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, They shall not enter my rest. You see, God punished His own people, the people that were near and dear to Him. He punished them because they went astray from Him. And there are those who say, well, Christ took care of that, and it's not, no longer a problem. But here, what the writer to the Hebrews says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And seeing it right there tells us that we can depart. And there are those who say you can't. They lie because God's Word says you can. But, Exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now, we are like that because we came out of sin. Sin is equal to Egypt. Christ is greater than Moses. And he led us out of sin. Was it not all those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? Wasn't that who he was angry with for 40 years? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not what? Obey. Those who don't obey, who don't stay within the boundaries, they don't enter his rest. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. They had an evil heart of unbelief. In their obedience, they demonstrated their unbelief. And those who are living in a way that is contrary to God's Word are demonstrating their own unbelief. That's what His Word says. They choose disobedience, which God calls unbelief. And as such, they choose death instead of life. See, Christ is life. In Him, there is no death. But when you become froward instead of toward, you're choosing death. And these are the boundaries. The boundaries that God sets up, life and death. Our lives, indeed, our conduct reveals who we belong to. Remember, James says, you show me your faith. He talks about faith and works. He shows his faith by his works. Christ equals obedience to God and 
Christ equals life here and hereafter. And Satan, or his Hebrew name is Hasatan, he equals disobedience, which is unfaithfulness to God. Infidelity to our Creator is the same as choosing death. You see, if we are the bride of Christ, and we are infidels, we live contrary to faithful living unto our spouse, we're choosing death. Remember, it's written in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, after saying, you're going to be hunted down, you're going to be arrested, Satan's going to put you in jail, and all this other stuff, he says, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Unto death. Does that only apply to those who are being hunted down and locked up and beat up and persecuted for their faith, or does it apply to all of us? All of us. It's obvious. In John chapter 12 and verse 25, we hear that he who loves his life will lose it. And this is Christ himself speaking. And he says, he who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. And does he say to just hate yourself? He's saying, don't love your life here. Look to that calling that you have beyond here. In Mark chapter 13, we hear that our Lord said, brother will hate brother, betray brother to death. A father is child. Children will rise up against parents, cause them to be put to death. And you shall be hated by all for my name's sake. But whoever endures to the end shall be saved. Amen. Notice the word there is endure. There's an endurance involved. Enduring in what? Maintaining your life within the boundaries that he says, that he lays out, that he calls you to live in. Saved equals everlasting life. You endure to the end, and you receive everlasting life. Amen. And that's all I want for each and every one of you. That is what I want for each and every one of you who sit in this room and those who will listen to the audio recording, those who may find the video online. That's all I want. I want you to have what God promises. And in order to receive it, you have Christ as your guide. And in Christ, you obey the Father. That's what He says. That's not my words. Those are His words. He makes it clear. See, I've set before you today, and I'm saying this to you, repeating the Scripture, life and good, death and evil. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God. You demonstrate your love through your actions, the way that you live. Love the Lord your God to walk in His ways, keep His commandments, keep His statutes, keep His judgments, that you may live and multiply. And multiplying, we will draw others into the kingdom of God. And the Lord your God will bless you. Love the Lord your God and obey His voice. And cling to Him, for He is your life and the length of your days. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Dear God, 
As it's written in Psalm chapter 40, I delight to do your will. Your law is written within my heart. I've proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips, O Lord, you yourself know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. I ask, Lord, that you would seat your word within our hearts, that each of us would walk in your will and your way within the boundaries of your word, I pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.